if you and your business are kind of like in symbiosis, like side by side, mm -hmm. one of you is growing. And so either your business is growing or you are growing. And so then it kind of happens back and forth. Ideally, you can have them both have at the same time, but when your business is growing, you're growing a lot. I've spent the last two years learning from the best social media entrepreneurs out there and implementing the skills and ideas they have taught me in order to grow two successful social media businesses. After some time though, I realized that social media was only part of the story. As I expanded my network, I kept finding young entrepreneurs with multi-million or even billion dollar businesses that weren't doing anything on social media. Instead of building their personal brand and selling courses, these entrepreneurs were solving massive market needs by creating the next Airbnb or Uber. But the real question is, as a young entrepreneur, which of these options is best for us? social media influencer or startup founder. That's where this podcast comes in. With a mix of interviews with people from both sides of the aisle, you can see what appeals to you and how you can take the steps to start and grow your business immediately. Join me and follow along as I sit down with some of the top social media influencers and startup founders in the world to ask the most important questions and extract the information you need without the fluff you don't. My name is Apple Kreider and welcome to Young Smart Money. Today we are sitting down with Alex Hormozzi to talk about how he was able to turn Gym Launch into a business that did $60 million in revenue in about 24 months, um, grow to a team of about 80 full-time employees, um, tossing like 20 or so contractors, um, and you've got a picture of what Gym Launch looks like. So Alex is someone who I have looked up to for a while. Um, he's somebody who... Uh, one of the reasons I actually look up to him is because of his his lack of emphasis on his social media channels, okay? On on the vein that, that we were talking about uh, last episode on, on how I want to create a show that focuses more on people who are, who are growing real businesses rather than people who are just trying to be uh, famous on Instagram or, or create or, or boost their ego and whatnot. I really look up to Alex because of his um, lack of use of social media. We talk about that in the episode, why he chooses not to utilize social media and why he hasn't needed it to grow his business. Additionally, we're going to dive really deep into sort of the mindset that Alex has adopted when it comes to one, just really taking advantage of the time that he has at his disposal. He's going to tell a story about how when he was in college, uh, he went to Vanderbilt, graduated in three years, but while he was there, he was able to, to really recognize how much time he was wasting. And he's gonna really dive into what he was able to do as a result of, of realizing that and the actions that he takes today to audit his environment and dictate his behavior in order to allow him to really get the most out of each and every day. And Alex is somebody who, who really does get a lot done. He's got some systems, processes, a lot of systems and processes in place to allow him to do that. And then lastly, we're gonna wrap it up and talk about some of the biggest lessons that Alex has learned throughout building this company um, and his business beforehand, which uh, was brick and mortar gyms that he was running. So uh, without further ado, I'm, I'm very excited for this episode. Alex, again, he's somebody who, who I have been watching for a long, long time, and I'm, I'm I'm extremely honored to have him here on the podcast today. I know you guys are going to get a ton of value out of this episode. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Young Smart Money with Alex Hormozzi. All right, Alex, welcome to Young Smart Money. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good, man. Happy Wednesday. Absolutely. Happy Wednesday. So, uh, Alex, our listeners got to hear a bit about you in the intro to this episode, which you're currently doing. Uh, but for those of them that don't know who you are, what you're working on, give us like a 60-second snapshot of where you're at right now. We run a business that helps gym owners make more money. Um, so brick and mortar, CrossFit's boot camps, summer private facilities, larger training centers. Um, that is our main target, and we've helped over 2,000 of them. The average gym that works with us makes over 240,000 per year in added revenue. So from where they were, it adds an extra quarter million a year. Um, we triple their profit. We increase their lifetime value of a customer by two to three X and we 3.03 X their profit. So, so we do. Sweet. And you guys are providing some, some massive value in this space. You guys have gone through some crazy growth, um, especially in the last like two years, which I'm stoked to dive into. Um, but before we do, I kind of want to flash back in time since we got a younger listener base here. Um, I, I want to hear what Alex Hormozzi was up to um, in like the middle school, high school days. So um, what, were you, what were you doing in that time period? So, so our listeners can uh, start to relate with you, man. <laughs> um, trying not to get in trouble. Um, <laughs> I was, uh, I think I was just figuring myself out. 
you know, I think, I think it's at least if I remember, if I remember correctly, you know, when I was in middle school and high school, it's just kind of like tasting a lot of stuff. It's just figuring out what you like, what you don't like, what you're about, you're not about. And I know that when you're younger, at least when I was, it was like, I can be whoever I want to be. So what does that mean? You know I mean? A lot of, a lot of people take that as like, what is my identity? You know, you kind of crisis when you're an early adult, but then you kind of settle on, you know, the things that you believe in, you know, and the skill sets that you have and you start investing. And in some ways you, you do choose to go down some paths and that takes the opportunity cost of time. And so some of those skill sets get more developed and others don't. And that's part of the choices that you make. What were some of those initial uh, skill sets and beliefs that you started sort of settling into um, throughout that, that time period of like experimentation and tasting? Well, when I was in high school, I, um, I think it's just like the beliefs that you adopted at that point in time were so, so many of the times are just limiting beliefs. Hmm. Um, they're beliefs that aren't true, that you think are true because you don't know any better yet. And so like, for example, I never thought I was good at math. And so that's like, um, you know, I didn't know to math teachers, whatever it was, it wasn't something that I was like great at. I did okay, but I wasn't, I was, I never, it was my weaker subject. I was okay. uh, editor of the newspaper. I was editor of the creative, the literary magazine, um, that was, sorry, that was JV editor of the newspaper. I was under okay. the, the, the Lit Mac. But um, either way, though, now, if you were to ask anybody in my company or any of my clients, like, is Alex good at math? Most people think I'm like a, like a super math dude, right? But I didn't know that because I just thought. So I told myself the story about myself. And a lot of times, I think when you're in middle school and high school, you, you have these traumas that are really fresh for you, right? It's like, man, my dad didn't like me. My mom doesn't, oh, my siblings, my brother used to do this. Oh, like, it's really fresh for you. Right. And so it's, and people get really traumatized by that because they're, they're children in a, that have the coping mechanisms of children in a world that has adult trauma. You know what I mean? And so, but they don't have that defense up yet. And that's why most people have their traumatic stuff in their kids because they're not prepared for it. Right. And they spend the rest of their lives trying to untangle that. But um, I think if you dive into that stuff and you unweave it, you're like, this doesn't define me. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people move past that. Some people just keep reliving their childhood and never get out. Yeah. But um, the people that I know who succeed do. And then they choose to let that experience beat the strength into them rather than out of them. Hmm. Can you talk more about, about making that decision to, to let that beat strength into you? I think that's 100% what it is. It's just a decision. Hmm. So you can have the, the months that lead into that decision, but the moment you make the choice, you decide. Like I'm not gonna, and sometimes it's an emotional experience. Sometimes it's a, a really boring experience. You're just sitting around and you're like, "Fuck this! I'm not doing this anymore." You know what I mean? Or it's it's the flip side, right? It's it's you know you you see your mom pass out on the floor because she's she's drunk again or whatever it is, and you're like, "I'm not gonna be like this." Like I'm not gonna like you can either choose to fall and you know follow in those footsteps, or you can choose to be the opposite of that. You know, it depends. Everyone everyone comes from their own. You know, everyone has their own story, but most people have had traumas in their past. And that's just because everyone experiences pain the same. And so that's one that I think, especially when like my younger self, it, it used to be this like, this measuring stick of like, how much pain have you been through, right? Like mm. who's legit or not? Yeah. But the thing is, is that the human experience a 10 out of 10 pain for everyone is the same, right? But it's just that for some people, a 10 out of 10 pain might've been their uncle raping them and no one knowing and having to keep it a secret. But for someone else, it just mean might like, their dad missed their recital. That meant a lot to them. The pain is still the same, right? And so one person trying to discount another person's pain is irrelevant because their subjective experience is identical. And so then once you realize that the subjective experience is identical, then you can just really just choose to make the decision that anyone, anyone can choose to make, which is to step out of it. Wow. Rather than be like, well, he only went through this. I went through this. Well, good for you. Go be right over there. <laughs> exactly. Right? I so mean, what? yeah, what are you going to do? Right. No one cares. It doesn't matter. And, no, and the truth is no one gives a shit. Yeah. No one cares. No one cares about you. Like the only person who cares about you is you. Right. And to some degree you have parents, but that's because they care about themselves through you. Hmm. Right? Interesting. Talk to me about that. Well, think about it. Humans are selfish, right? Yeah. Straight up. Nature. And so many humans have babies. Is it because they're selfless people all of a sudden? That's the one choice they make that's selfless? No. Because it makes them feel like they have purpose. It gives them purpose to a life that's for some people doesn't have purpose and it gives them something beyond themselves. They have a legacy, right? And there's obviously biology, you know, biology that pushes into that too. Yeah. But a lot of times it's just, how do you make your parent feel about themselves? 
right? If you make your parent feel about themselves that they are successful, they're a good parent, they're a great person because you have accomplished things, now you make them feel accomplished so that they can talk to Mrs. Jones at the Rotary Club and, and when they say, well, my daughter's a dentist, you can be like, well, my daughter is a funnel hacker, right? Like, what, <laughs> like whatever, you get my point, right? Yeah. That they don't care, like, it's not about you. And so once you realize that no one else cares, then you can stop feeling bad for yourself because it doesn't matter. So it's either you want to just live a life of feeling bad for yourself or you just want to like, decide to just move on. Use it, make it make you stronger, or let it make you weaker. Just decide that. Cool, I'm going to just, just bitch and moan my whole life about, about this thing that someone else did. And then I'm going to choose to give them the power over my life because I blame them for all my failures, right? And so I remember distinctly when I was younger, I was like, am I going to give my parent that power over me, which is the things that they have done, whether knowingly or unknowingly, will I let that be the thing that defines my life? And if I do, then I'm giving them all the power of my life and not myself. That's a decision that we all got to make, but right. a lot of people just, just choose to, to just sit on the sidelines and not even think about it. Yeah. Part okay. of the game. 100%. I appreciate, I appreciate you bringing that up. Now, I'm curious, uh, uh, transitioning a little bit into sort of your entrepreneurial career, when did you first get exposed to the world of entrepreneurship? Were you somebody who was like selling candy bars in the back of the classroom or, or did that come later? Not at all. I, I don't have any of that stuff. You no. know, so many people are like, man, I failed out of school, never fit in. I was always slinging and like doing all this stuff. I was always hustling. Like, no, I was, I was, I crushed school. You know what I mean? I did really well in school. I studied hard. Um, and I, I, I went to Vanderbilt, graduated in three years, took my GMAT, got a, a Harvard's mid-score. Like like that was the path I was going on. And um, I just really didn't like the job I took out of college. And I knew that I always said I want to eventually own a business. I was, people were like, what are you going to do when you grow up? And I was like, I'm going to do this, and I like eventually own my own business. And then I just remembered hearing myself say, like, and eventually, I'm like, why eventually? What is, what is this going to do to help me for like to have that happen? And so I was like, well, it, it would only be harder as I get older because I'll have more things that I'll have to be responsible for, right? I have a family, I have kids, I have mortgage payments, things like that. And I was like, well, if I can't do it now, I'll never be able to do it. And so that was kind of like my, well, I have nothing to lose. And so, I, I mean, I had a job, but I mean, I left that. And it was a good job, but um, I left that and then drove across the country and started my first gym. I love it. So I'm curious, what made you what made you say that you wanted to start a business? I mean, you were saying this to yourself, you're saying this to other people. Was there some kind of driver behind that? Or was it just kind of something you thought would be fun to do? It's probably like people say, like, I want to be a doctor when I grow up. You know what I mean? Like, I think it was something that's like a business owner. Like, I didn't want to be a doctor. So I was like, business owner sounds cool. Like, that sounds nice. Um, but I mean, I like because I knew that so the, the actual decision that came into it was that I realized that there was going to be no way that I was going to make the amount of money that I wanted to make and have the freedom that I wanted to have in any position at any company. Because if I went down the investment banking route, right, and decided to go and sell companies and deals, right, and make $3 million a year, whatever it is, $5 million, you know, the, the higher up you go, and it takes, it takes time to get there, right? You know, if you work at Goldman Sachs and you make five million a year or 10 million a year and you're a managing director, like you have put in 20 actual years of work, A, but realistically you've put 40 years of work in because you worked 80 hours a week for that whole 20. And so despite the fact that it seems like you're 40, like you literally have not lived any part of your life. And so when I realized that I was like, the only way for me to make the amount of money that I want to make is to live a life that I don't want to live. I was like, then the only way for me to be able to do the things that I want and have the life I want is to make my own. And so once I actually came to that conclusion, it just became really clear that that was the only way. Like that was it. Like I actually had no other option. Otherwise I was going to be dissatisfied. I was going to make less than I wanted to make or I wasn't going to live life. And so once it was very clear for me, that was the path I went to. What established that, that amount of money that you wanted to make? Was there certain things that you wanted to do, things you wanted to have, or was it just kind of a number? No, I think it was mostly status driven to be candid with you. Okay. I think that, you know, I remember when I was in high school, people were like, I'm making $100,000 a year. And I was like, I want to make $100,000 a month, right? You know what I mean? Like, there was, yeah, you yeah. need to say these things. You don't even know what it means. Right? No. You don't even know what $100,000 a month even means. But I think that's where, that's where I came from. You know, I'm, 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 I think I'm pretty competitive, and I think I am. Um, 
And I think that was probably the original driver. But I also just, it's like, it's always been about, at least when I started the journey, it was about freedom. You know, I wanted to have temporal freedom, time, you know, time freedom. I wanted to have geographic freedom. I wanted to have financial freedom. So I wanted to be able to do what I wanted, when I want, wherever I want, right? With whomever I want. And so that was kind of the thought. And so whatever that number is, is different for everyone. But for me, it was actually not around how much money I was going to make, but how much money I needed to have. And so it was like the fast, like in the faster that I get to that number, then the faster I'm in kind of like gravy land, like doesn't really matter what I do. I'm covered. And now you're, you know, I don't know. I know that. I don't know how you do it. I already cussed a bunch of times already. So I guess it's not that. But <laughs> you know, the, 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 the fuck you money, like that whole, that, that, sure. that amount is the amount where you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. Right. And, you, and once the scarcity of money is removed from your life, then you truly, like, I don't think people don't work. People will always work. They just do the things they enjoy doing, right? That you get engaged with. And so if money weren't, if I could get money out of the equation as fast as I could, which was my goal, then I'd be able to do the things I wanted to do. But the reality is that doing the things I wanted to do was the thing that got the money out of the equation to continue to do the things I wanted to do. So my life doesn't really change, even though I far surpassed what my retirement number was. Huh. So, so at this point, do you, I mean, cause you said that the decision to, or rather the actions that were making you money were the actions that you were enjoying as of right now is, is your enjoyment the only thing that dictates your decisions or does money still play a factor in that? It's a good question. Um, the thing is, is that money stops the, the meaning around money changes. It doesn't okay. become less important. It becomes important in a different way. So for me, a lot of times I'm like currently, I would measure my growth as a business person with the objective measure of how much money the business is making, That's right? It. So I'm measuring my personal growth with the growth of the business. Whereas in the beginning, money had actual monetary value to me, but now it doesn't, there's literally nothing, the, the, the state can only get so expensive. Like it's just like, once you buy a Lamborghini and then you have the house and they're all paid for in cash, what do you buy the next month? Right. Like what, what then? Right. And then it's like, it's just, it's, it's food. You know what I mean? Like there's not a lot that you actually, like most people, if you actually think about what you would spend your money on, there's not a ton to spend money on. And so really it's just, I, I desire to learn the lessons that I know are necessary to learn to achieve this level of success, organization, size, scale, et cetera. And I just know that those are objective measures. So I do care about those things, but for different reasons. Hmm. Reminds me of a, a Jim quote, a Jim Rohn quote, rather, where he, he said that his mentor told him to set the goal of becoming a millionaire, not because of what he could do with the million dollars, but because of what pursuing that goal and achieving that goal would make of him. So I, I think that that is, that's really insightful, um, I think, for the younger audience, especially. Yeah. And I mean, you're going to fail a bunch of times on the way there. And that, like, I think, at least for the younger audience, is like, just not... I'm sure they hear all the, the motivation mantra all the time. Like, don't okay. give up. Like, it's just, it's really reframing. And it's, it's just, it's a character trait. Like you either start adopting or you don't. Like, I have no question that I will always be in business. Or like, I'm always going to do this. I might do different things, but I'm not going to stop. Because like, they're not, they're just lessons. You know what I mean? It's just like, what, like, it's just, you have wins and you have lessons. That's it. And, and in the beginning, you learn more than you win. And then eventually you start winning more than you learn. And then, but then when you start winning too much, then you learn a really big lesson, right? And then it hurts more. And so that's kind of the balance. One of the things I was telling some of our, some of our clients is like, if you and your business are kind of like in symbiosis, like side by side, mm -hmm. one of you is growing. And so either your business is growing or you are growing. And so then it kind of happens back and forth. Ideally, you can have them both have at the same time. But when your business is growing, you're growing a lot. And when, you're, when your business is growing a lot, sometimes you're not growing. Sometimes you're, sometimes you're growing too, but a lot of times you grow to this point of incompetence, right? Your level of incompetence. And so you have to level up. I'm, I'm curious to hear what some of your learning lessons were in, in that beginning phase when you decided to go out there and, and start this thing. I mean, the first iteration, actually, let's just dive into that really quick. Um, what was the first sort of vision? I'm, I'm assuming it wasn't what you've created now. No, <laughs> just a gym, man. It was just my first gym. Um, and like I mean, gym? Yeah, just my first gym in Huntington Beach, California. Um, but right before that, you asked a question that I was going to say something about. Um, yeah, the early, the early lessons. 
Yeah, I think the biggest lesson that is necessary that I, it took it took me until I was 19, and some people learn it earlier, some people learn it later, but was actually understanding, and I can't even convey it because there's nothing that'll make it real for the audience, but everyone thinks they work hard, right? But not a lot of people actually work hard. Right? People think they work hard. Most people think they're above average drivers, but probably <laughs> average, and half of people are below average by their nature, right? Half of you listening to this are below average. Think about that. <laughs> Just math, right? <laughs> But at the same time, so half of you have below average work ethic. And so, but you probably think you have above average work ethic. And I think for me, the, the biggest lesson was, and maybe I have one, who knows, right? But um, learning how to work. Like when you're in high school, maybe you work an hour a night and you feel like you're, you're like, if you're working an hour a night in high school, maybe you're working a ton, right? Do you read the book? Nah. You know, cliff notes, right? And I skimmed them two seconds before five. You know what I mean? Like that's maybe where you're at. And the thing is, is that like at that point, I used to be proud of that at how little I worked. Yes. X score. Yes. But I just want to let anyone who's listening know that's fucking stupid as shit. Because ultimately, you're not cheating anyone. And like some people might hear, like what you're like your parents are like you're just cheating yourself, but like you are, and you're being an idiot if you think you're not. But that's okay because you know you're just gonna you're gonna believe what you're gonna believe but you are wrong. <laughs> so like you have to learn how to work because your work works on you more than you work on it. So you have geography and you're like, I'm never going to use this. Of course you're not. You're never going to fucking use it. You're never going to use history. You're never going to use calculus. You're going to use jack shit, but you will use your work ethic and the traits that you developed. Right. That being said, do you need school for that? No, absolutely not. And I agree with you. But if that's the only vehicle that you have to be able to build those character traits, and that doesn't include your rec soccer team, right? To do shit you don't want to do, to have to figure things out, that is the skill set that you're acquiring. Same thing in college. You're not going to, you're not women's literature of the 1800s. You're never going to use it. But you will learn how to work hard and be able to sit down and be able to consistently move things forward for five hours, eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours, be able to actually get things done. And it took me until I was 19 to figure that out. I actually was pledging in a fraternity at the time and they forced us to we had to be at at the house or doing work right for all of the day like it was it was nine nine until like midnight we had to be there right so nine until it's like 15 hours a day and then three hours a day we were allowed to go to study and but I had to work during all three hours because if I, I only had those three hours but when I realized when I only had those three hours it was more work than I had ever done before and I started getting ahead on work. I started reading ahead in chapters and doing homework ahead of time and then my grades went through the roof at Vanderbilt. And then once that process finished, I realized how much time I had. And I was like, man, if I got a 385 this semester with just three hours a day of work, I was like, if I just worked from nine to nine, I would be unstoppable. And that was where I kind of made the pivot in realizing how much time we waste or how much time I was wasting just fucking around, just doing stupid shit. And just like, that's when I decided I really wanted to be an adult. You know, and it's just, and that happens for everyone at different times. Some people never get that. Some people just say children. Some people, some people listen to this, know their uncle who's 45 and acts like a child, right? That no one respects, that you don't even respect, right? It's just, do you want to be that guy? Hmm. You know? Yeah. You decide at some point, it's like, well, I don't lose my childhood. Whatever, man. Get over it. No one cares. So for you, when it comes to really getting stuff done and, and maximizing on your time, do you focus more or, or do you place a higher emphasis on your environment or just like your decision to work hard and, and your just focus on what you're doing? I mean, <laughs> I think that there are like, there are basics of working hard, right? Okay. Like there are studies that if you're listening to music, you are not as pr productive. If you were put a, a Netflix movie on and you're trying to do your homework, it will literally take you three times as long. Why are you bothering to do this, right? It's just like, it's just stupid. It's just, you're not enjoying either of them. Like, what's the point, right? And so like to say that, like, I laughed because like, it seems really basic to me. Like I haven't thought about my work environment because it's been assumed for such a long time that obviously it's silent. Obviously I have no interruptions. Obviously my phone is shut off. Those are all obvious things to me. But I guess to an audience that isn't, that like doesn't do that, then it might not be like, no, I don't instant message people. I'm not on Facebook Messenger. I'm on DM. You know what I mean? Like I'm not doing that because I can't think straight and neither can you. So 
that is assumed. <laughs> beyond <laughs> that, right? Beyond the environment, then yeah, I mean, it's prioritizing the tasks that you need to get done. A lot of times, the thing is, is if I'm talking to an audience that hasn't started learning to work yet, then that's going to be different than somebody who already has a business. And I'm saying like, what you need to do is stop doing useless work. Because usually somebody who has a business, they have, they have a degree of work I think They've learned some lessons. And so it's like, how can we optimize this, right? Rather than like going from zero to one, we're going from one to two. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So as far as like eliminating those tasks that are low value or worthless, what are some of the things that you see a lot of people wasting time on, especially like earlier on? I'm trying to think about how to answer the question for the audience that you have. Sure. The difficulty with giving someone an answer like this is that the perspective that you need to have the perspective from which to make a judgment. So let me give you an example that may be relevant. Okay. If a lady walks into a gym, right? And she says, I want to lose weight. And she talks to 10 trainers, right? And one trainer says, you need to cut out carbs. Another guy says, you need to cut calories. Another guy says, you need to count your macros. Another guy says, you need to eat keto, whatever, right? They will all sound right. She does not have the perspective from which to make the judgment on who's full of shit. She does not know. And so to the same degree, how do you know as somebody who is starting out, what, which of the things you are doing is worthwhile versus not? It's difficult. And you honestly, it's difficult to even listen to other people because they probably don't know either. Unless you have access to somebody who's a little, like, anything is better than nothing. Some things are better than others and nothing works forever. It was one of the sayings I had earlier on in my life. And that applies for fitness, that applies for business. Like, so anybody who's ahead of you has done something that you not, do not have. What you have to figure out is which thing they did, not all of the things they did, right? Because each of those 10 trainers or whatever, all of them are in shape. And what you have to figure out is what are the commonalities that they did to get there? And so if you have somebody who's ahead of you, it might not be the fact that he wakes up at 4 a.m., right? It might not be the fact that he pulls on items. It might not be, it could be a shitty, whatever. It might not be the fact that they have a great idea. It might not be the fact they have great marketing, but one of those things is probably something that you can learn from and then take one step forward. And that's why in the beginning, you are going to suck for a very long time before you get good, right? And the like, if you consider the path of success to be building a bridge, every, every, every step of that bridge across the chasm is to get to your first dollar. Right. And every one of those steps is something that doesn't yield you anything, but you do get closer, but you don't actually see any material difference. Right. And then finally, when you make your first dollar, making the second dollar happens immediately, happens so much faster than it took you to make the first one. Right. And so, but it's understanding and having that perspective that you are working on you and you're acquiring a, 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 a plethora of skills. If you'll let me pontificate on something, it means a lot to me. One of the concepts that we talk about in our company a lot is called talent stacking, all right? It's one of my favorite concepts to tell people who are starting out. What they want is the ability to make it rain. They want to be able to make money, right? But the reason that the one course that you bought or the one book that you read did not result in you making money is because it was one of many skills that you needed to acquire. And so it's not just you buy the copywriting course and then all of a sudden you make money. Now you have words on a page. Cool. How do you design the page? And then you learn funnels design, right? And page optimization. Cool. But you're still not making money because you need to learn how to place ads, right? And get clicks. Okay. Now you're getting clicks to the page. Fantastic. What am I selling? What's my offer? Right? And so you can continue to walk your way down this path until eventually you solve all of them and the pipeline from beginning to end yields your first dollar. But it's just understanding that each one of those things is a, is a, is a talent that has to get stacked on top of each other. What's even more interesting is that when you start talent, when you start stacking stacks. And so in the beginning, you might think I'm good at math, right? That might be something in your audience is like, I'm good at reading. I'm good at math, whatever it is. So you're good at math. That's kind of a skill, not really monetizable, not yet. Right. Then you're like, I'm gonna learn how to book you, right? That's a monetizable skill. That's one additional stack that you had on top of it. Then you go and you get your master's in accountancy. Now you have something that's a little bit more valuable, right? Then you get a specialization in taxes, right? Now you're helping people save money on taxes. That's significant value to the right people, right? Then you learn about insurance. 
about how you can use insurance vehicles to protect assets, to invest. You start using that, right? And then you see where I'm going with this? And then you start learning um, whatever it is, corporate strategy, like in terms of investment strategy. And you can see that this one person who has a single skill of knowing how to do math, the more stacks that they have on top of it, you don't get a one-to-one -one return. So it might be one, it's like one plus one plus one equals 12. But with each additional skill, you get disproportionate amounts of value. Jay-Z knew how to rap. That was a skill. But rapping didn't make him money. Rapping and learning how to promote himself made him money. Right now, there's lots of sub-skills underneath it there. But then he learned how to make a label for himself and made even more money. Then he learned how to promote other people and made even more money. And so for each one of those additional skills, he was making significantly more money than just the amount that he had prior to that. And so most people acquire one or two and then wonder why they're not making money when all of the returns are at the end. And for those of you who, um, I, think I, I think I read a research study that was like the average kid in high school thinks they'll be a millionaire by 25, which is like frightening. That's um, yeah. Right, it's frightening, right? It's just Instagram ruining it, but that's okay. Um, because the world will smack you either way. It doesn't really matter what you think. But if you learn the way the world does work, which is just about not how many, how to, to encourage you though, it's not about how many miles, sorry, how old the car is, but it's about how many miles you have on it. And the beauty is that if you start super young, you can get your reps in, right? And so if you start selling when you're 15, by the time you're 25, you're a veteran salesperson, like a really stud veteran. Whereas some guys are jerking off in college, not figuring out what they want to do with their lives. And then they realize when they're 27 and they're done bar hopping that they have no actual skills. And then they start. And then for them, they're 37, 38. A, they're significantly less impressive. They're way more likely to get passed up. No one sees them as like, like a player, right? Whereas you started when you were super young because you got your reps in. But the reps still have to get made, right? You have to put your time under the bar either way. I'm, I'm curious when you started putting, putting your, I guess your business reps in, because it, it sounds like this, this gym, um, I'm curious to hear more about, about where that went and then eventually how it transformed into, into gym launch. So I would say the real reps happened when I signed the lease. You know what I mean? I yeah. was really fortunate that I didn't know anything. And so because of that, I had no preconceived notions about what I was supposed to do. Hmm. And so I spent a disproportionate amount of time learning from people who had done, who had been successful or more successful than me. And I didn't know anyone in Huntington beach, which is where my gym was. I was from Baltimore, Maryland. It was literally across the country. Like I didn't know. It. And so once the gym, you know, the time was over and the weekend started or whatever, my phone didn't ring. Like no one wanted to hang out. Like I didn't know anyone. And so I would spend all my time reading about how to sell memberships, how to market, how to sell, like all these types of things. And, and the biggest one that I did was I would just go, I would drive to other gyms and I would message them and say, hey, can I like just hang out and see what you do? And I would pick up little things just here and there, I'd pick up little things. And I, was, and, I, and I would go there with like pen and paper and I was just, just relentless, just asking them all these questions. And I would try stuff, right? I can't say the amount of times that it, it amazes me someone will ask me for advice for something and then I'll check in six months later and they haven't done anything. I'm like, don't waste my time, right? But I mean, I don't even do that anymore because I don't take any calls. But like at earlier in my life, I would do that and get frustrated. But for those of you listening, like, don't be that guy. Like, you won't know what works until you try it. Try it. If it fails, it fails, and you learned. That's it. And it fails. And sometimes it's bad that it succeeds because you don't know why it did, right? If you fail 20 times, you'll know why something worked because, because you'll see all the times it didn't. Like, I think, um, uh, what's his name? Charles Koch, Koch Industries, they do 110 billion a year. His dad said, I hope that your first business deal is a failure because you're going to think you're smarter than you are if it's not. <laughs> and so I, it's kind of like, in some ways, you kind of, you want someone to fail a little bit in the beginning because that's how you learn. You get better. Yeah. What were, what were some of those, those failures, those roadblocks that, that you hit early on? Dude, every day, man. I mean, there's tons. I mean, I, I, I changed so many things so many times in terms of pricing, what my promotions are going to be, how I sold people how I build continuity, like what I would do for fulfillment. So here, let me give a framework for everyone to think through their, like their potential business, right? You have five things, especially if it's a service or information-based business, which most of the people who are listening to this would do because you don't have money, right? So you have to know how to generate leads of some sort, right? You have to know how to nurture leads, which for a phone sale would be like scheduling and getting to show. 
for a, a digital sale would be nurturing them through email sequences that are to push them to action, right? Then you have to get them to convert, which would be a sale of some sort. Either that's getting them to give you part of the phone or that's buying on a page, right? Then you have to know how to retain them. So if you have a recurring business model, that's what it would be. If you have a, a, a one-time thing, then it would be delivered, right? It's fulfillment of some sort and keeping them if it's, if it's recurring. And then the fifth is ascension. How do you get them to buy more stuff, right? It's all it is. And so if you look at those five, then like what are the early failures? Well, I marketed plenty of times in promotions that didn't work, right? I ran ads that didn't give me any ROI. I ran copy that didn't work. I ran images that didn't get approved, right? I had pages that didn't, that didn't convert, right? And then I had, I tried text only options and I tried message only options and I tried double dialing and I tried whatever I could do to get people to schedule and then show. Right? I tried reminders the night before in the morning up. I tried them two days out and five days out and emails only and text only. Like, you know, I tried, like, what are the failures? I failed at all of them. Right? It's just you just keep going and you take one step closer. And the biggest thing is that people try things and they don't give it enough time to work. And they also don't track their stats. They don't even know if it works. They're trying to like shoot from the hip of like, I think the sequence works. It's like, it's been 24 hours. How the fuck do you know? And you don't even have a baseline from your old one. Right? So, like, what mistakes did I make? Tons, you know? I got into partnerships really early that I shouldn't have. That's a big one. Hmm. Tons of guys get into partnerships because they have a friend of theirs. Somebody either has to have a skill that you do not have or money that you do not have. And a skill that you do not have has to be a niche enough skill that you cannot acquire. Right? Well, my friend's kind of better at selling. That's not a skill. Not at your age. You can learn how to sell. Right? It has to be something like, if he can code an entire website and build an app on his own and then you are taking the other half, okay. Like there's enough deep differentiated knowledge that you can make that argument, maybe, but it still is very hard. So most people that I, that I see who are younger, I'm like, don't partner with anyone. Just learn the game. Be solely responsible so you can't blame anyone for your failures. Because you'll blame each other. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, now, I, I, clearly you did, you did some things right. I mean, you are one of like ClickFunnels top success stories. Um, you, you massively scaled gym launch in, in under two years. So I'm, I'm curious to hear what you contribute that to. I mean, obviously work ethic, we talked about that a lot um, and, and making those decisions. But I mean, what sets you apart from all the other people who try to scale? Our product was better. I mean, the thing is, is that a lot of people, like, it's easy to promise, right? Like every single information marketer in the world promises things. The only difference is the guys who actually fulfill their promises. That's the only difference, right? And so when you fulfill your promises and you solve the main pain, then, then you grow. And then the next thing is that the skill set that it took you to make your first series of dollars, your first million, your first three million, whatever it is, is not the skill set that it takes to get to 10, 40, 50 plus, 100. Like it doesn't... It's a different skill set. You have to learn how to operate a business and that's not fun or interesting, especially for entrepreneurs, right? Like you have to learn how to like have one-on-ones and have group meetings and set project tasks and manage them. And like, those are things that no one wants to do. Everyone wants to just build a new funnel and build a new product. But if you think about it from a big picture, when you see these guys who have, cause I'm just saying this cause you're in that world, um, who like always are launching a new product, right? why wasn't your last product good enough that people told their friends about it and your business grew and it continued to grow, right? Why wasn't it? Yep. Right. You know, part of that's the problem is just being an information-based business. Information-based businesses are very high margin, but they're not very sellable or there's no enterprise value. Right. Yeah. On the flip side, like a software business is something that has tremendous amounts of enterprise value, lots of, lots of um, margin, but they typically run at a loss and then you make less of your money on the actual sale of the business itself. Information businesses, you make zero money on the business sale itself and you make your money while you're running the business. So an information business is a great place to start, but it's not a place that long-term you'd want to sit in. Hmm. It's a good place to get money because it's really high margin and very simple to do. It doesn't take any money to start. You just have to be good at something. And that's the piece that most people miss. They're actually not good at the thing that they're trying to say they're good at. Most people suck at most things, including the things they think they're good at. And so that's, that's a big problem, right? Yeah. I'm a Facebook expert. No, you're not, right? You learn how to place an app. Do you really think that makes you an expert? No, which is why your guys get mediocre results, which is why no one refers, which is why you are mediocre, right? 
They're like, I need a new funnel. It's like, no, you need to be better at the thing, right? Like our gyms on average increase by 240,000 a year on average. No one releases their averages. They have five testimonials from a thousand fucking clients, right? My average gym goes up by 240,000 a year, right? So then what? So the reason we made more money than everyone else is because we made other people more money than everyone else. And that's really what it comes down to, right? Like we've done 60 million in revenue in the last 24 months. And if you think about how much money we made our clients in that same period of time, if you were to just add the additional incremental revenue, which would be half a million by times 2000, be a billion dollars of revenue that we were able to generate. So we got 6%, right, of the money that we were able to generate, which you could, you could argue was actually a small percentage of what we were able to generate. I, was, I would argue that a lot of people were able to, to, to capture more of it, right? And that was because the vehicle that we used was an information-based vehicle, which is not the best vehicle. It's high margin, makes a ton of, ton of profit, but long-term. And that's, that's where you can do short-term margin. When I started the business, the intention was to make a shitload of money, right? That was the goal. As I've gotten, as I've already established all of our lifetime goals and we've hit all the, the, the bank money that we want, then it's like, I want to build something of, that has enterprise value. Right, that has value independent of information, which is not, which is a very commoditized thing that has to constantly be refreshed. With you on that, man. One thing that I'm curious about as well is uh, your decision to not become like a social media guru. I mean, a lot, a lot of guys who are selling information products are are all over social media all the time, talking about how great they are, and uh, that's that's not what you do. So. When, when did you make that decision that you weren't going to, to basically be one of those, those guys? Um, it, it's just a, it was a dollars and cents thing. I don't think it makes you more money. It, I mean, it didn't make me more money. So if we're looking at the five things that I talked about, does it increase the amount of leads I get? No. I mean, no, it doesn't. Compared to me just spending $1,000 on ads, not even close, right? So... It's just, it, you know, I've, I've had a ton of guys in, in this space who are like, dude, you need to have a following. I just don't give a shit. You know, like if you look at, there's so many billionaires, like if you look at Reed Hoffman, founder of LinkedIn, he's got like 2,000 followers, right? Like the guys who are doing it, Warren Buffett doesn't, I mean, maybe he does, I don't even know. I don't even think he does Instagram, right? It doesn't matter. It's yeah. Warren Buffett using it, right? The point, like, it's, you get what I'm saying here. Like, what, what was the decision? It didn't make me more money. And so some people are like, what about your brand? Like, some people want to be famous and some people want to be rich. And there's a difference. And there's nothing wrong with either one of them. The problem is when you, when you mistake one for the other. Let me say something for your crowd. A lot of people think that they need to gain a following to make money. When in reality, when this whole game started, people made money and then gathered a following for making money. But the thing is, is that when you only learn how to gain a following, you don't know, you don't learn how to run a business or make money. You just learn how to get people's attention and like shake your ass, for lack of a better term. And so I have, I got tons of fitness people message me. They got a million followers and they're like, dude, like I really need help, like making money. I know how, if I had a million followers, what I would do tomorrow is make more money, right? Because I have acquired that skill. They never did. And so they thought that having, I mean, Sure, push everyone to a $37 ebook. When you get a thousand clicks a day, you'll get someone to buy, right? But there's so many better ways to monetize that audience than that. They just don't know any better because they never acquired the skill. And so most people have it flipped. They want to learn, they want to get the followers for their ego, but they don't learn the game, right? And the game, at least for me, is all that matters. Man, that was that right there was like a nugget that that I think will really impact, especially this young audience, man. I think a lot of people just just get confused about that distinction, yeah, between making money and, and being famous, and think that those things are, are one and the same. When in reality, um, it's, it's not the case. If you look at like mega pop stars, right? Like if you look at like net worth of, I mean, some of the huge pop stars that are out there, it's like hundred million, hundred and fifty million, like go sell a piece of software for 150, you know what I mean? Like go sell it for half a billion. Like there's so many more tech like billionaires yeah. than there are like pop stars. But it's a question of like, do you actually, like, do you think you want that? Or do you want that? And to be real, the reality is that most people listening to this are not good enough, right? Most people listening to this are not good enough 
to have a following. And so instead, like if I could wish something for people, I would say, I want you to do two years of door to door sales. If you do that, you learn how to sell shit. And if you know how to sell shit, you will never go hungry and you'll be able to usually make as much money as you want in your life. And the only thing that dictates what, how much money a salesperson makes, because everyone is always selling, right? In some way or another, they are, is how expensive the thing you are selling is. So do you want to sell Windex door to door? You're going to make some money, right? You'll make, you'll make 50, 60 grand a year. You're hustling, right? Do you want to sell cars? More money, right? You make 250, you know, if you're, if you're really, really hustling. Do you want to sell houses? Do you want to sell apartment buildings? Do you want to sell skyscrapers? Right? Do you want to sell companies? Like, the only thing that changes, the amount of time that it takes to sell shit, a lot of times it's still conversation, right? The only thing that changes is the dollar sign of the thing that you were selling. And so then you make more money, right? And you learn more about like, and most people end up selling really cheap shit in high volume, getting their reps in, and then learning how to sell and moving up. And I don't know, because I think one of the questions that I get from usually people when they ask is like, how are you so confident? How are you so certain in X, Y, and Z? It's like, you have to, you outwork yourself down. Like there's no, there's no, like, it's not like motivation manifesting. You look in the mirror, like I am confident. I am powerful. Like you don't say that shit. It doesn't matter because you know, it's not true, right? You're not. Otherwise you wouldn't be saying shit to yourself in the mirror, looking like an idiot, right? Maybe it worked for some people that wouldn't work for me. Right. But I do know that if I did a year of door to door sales and I stepped on the sales floor of a new place and there's 10 of us and they're like, look to your left, look to your right. One of you guys can be gone. I'm like, it's y'all. I just did door to door sales for a year. Like this is fucking nothing. And they're like, how are you so certain? <laughs> how are you so, right? And it's just because, not because of what I'm about to do, because of what I've done, right? And so that's where that reps comes in. And most people just don't do anything. They just sit there and like, they listen to stuff and it's like, start, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's starting. Because like you said, man, people are just listening. They're just watching. They're not doing anything. They're sitting on the sidelines. Yeah, most people are. They're afraid because they think their, their friends will make fun of them. Or... Yeah. And they will. And who cares, right? Because they're not going to do shit either. Like, yeah. who cares? And the thing is, is on some level, they respect you for doing something, right? They respect you for having balls. And they'll try and knock you down because they don't have it. But they don't actually disrespect you. Hmm. And you open a car and they don't have one, it's like, well... Exactly. Well, Alex, man, you've been dropping so much value on the podcast. I'm extremely grateful for that. I have a couple quick questions I like to ask all my guests before we wrap up. You ready for those? Rock and roll. Sick. First of which is what is something that genuinely has you excited right now? Uh, we have some software that's rolling out in the next six weeks that's really big for our, for gonna our customers. You. It's going to automate a big part of the business for them. It'll decrease their cost, decrease their overhead. It'll be pretty sweet. Sweet. That was, that's what has me actually excited. <laughs> I'll stay tuned. Uh, do you have any habits that have served you particularly well, either in your uh, life or your business? Yeah, I gave you the example earlier about waking up at 4 a.m. That might not be the thing, but for me, it helped a ton. Hmm. When I wake up at 4 every day, I can work for six hours before anyone ever bothers me. And so in those first six hours, I can get all of my major work done. I can push the big boulders forward. I can move things forward that, that need to get done before like the, the day-to-day things, you know, come up. Mm-hmm. So for especially, you know, you know, kids or you know, high school, middle school, whatever, if you have things that are not under your control, it's like you have other hours in the day. So like wake up earlier, do shit or go to bed later. Cause that seems to be easier when you're younger, but like do whatever. It doesn't really matter. What's something that you feel is uh, overhyped right now? <sighs> what is overhyped right now? Like as a, as an opportunity or opportunity technology, just something that you feel is, is getting blown up too big. You know what? I don't actually pay attention to a lot of stuff. Hmm. I, I mean, I just, I'm just in our thing right now. So I'm only thinking about our business and how That's we can answer our customers. I don't, yeah, I really don't think I, don't, I, I couldn't tell you something that arrived. <laughs> That's a fair answer. That's a fair answer. Building a following, you know, that maybe that's that that's, that <laughs> might be yeah, that's kind of overhyped. I think you should just learn how to make money without a following. Yeah. 
Fair enough. Alex, where can our, where can our listeners go if they want to follow up with you, um, learn more about what you're doing over at Gym Launch and just uh, learn more about the business? Honestly, the best thing you do is go to alexsbook.com. Um, it says a step-by-step blueprint on how to build a massively profitable gym. 95% of that book is how to sell and how to fulfill service. And so 5% of it is related to a gym. 95% of it is how to run a business. Um, I put what I charge $100,000 for our coaching into that book and it's free. (laughs) So you should buy it. Um, Well, it's free. It's free plus shipping or whatever. Sure. Nine bucks. Um, get your parents to give you the nine dollars. <laughs> um, read it for real. It will give you a holistic understanding of lead generation, lead nurtures, how to get people scheduled, how to get them to show for appointments, how to how to walk through those first conversations that you don't know. Like right now, if you've never sold before, you don't even know what that means, right? It's like, what's the framework of questions that I can get someone to give you money? That is what it means. But you have to do it in a way that doesn't just say like, please give me money. I promise I'm going to do everything. Like that's not selling. That's just weird. Right. And so there's frameworks for this from other people who've already done it before that you can just follow and learn and not have to like, you don't have to fail as much. <laughs> so, um, there's that. <laughs> and then Sweet. there's all this other stuff. So that's what I did. Alex'sbook.com. All right. I'll link that up in the show notes for our listeners as well. Alex, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. Extremely grateful for your time. Any last parting thoughts, words of wisdom or anything you want to leave the listener with here today? Yeah. Uh, there are no rules. There's no one that tells you you can't do anything. Like there's literally none. Like besides actually getting arrested, you can pretty much do whatever you want. So all the things that you put on yourself are usually just your own. That's empowering, man. Let's get after it. I appreciate you, Alex. It's been a pleasure. You bet. Thanks, man. Well, there we go. Another episode of Young Smart Money in the Books. Glad you guys were here to spend it with us um, and really soak up as much value as possible from the guest of the day. Now, if you guys haven't already left us a review on iTunes, I know I say it at the end of every single episode, but I really do love those reviews. We've got nearly 200 at this point, which is absolutely amazing. It's crazy to see that we're reaching hundreds of thousands of people with the podcast and that some of you guys have actually chosen to go out of your way, take five seconds and write us a review. It means the absolute world world to me. And again, if you guys don't know where to find the review section, because a lot of you guys hit me up and you're like, I want to write your review. I, I love Young Smart Money so much, but I don't know where to write the review. You just scroll all the way down. You go to Young Smart Money, you scroll all the way down past all the episodes, past nearly 200 episodes, and you find the write a review section. You leave me all of your thoughts, all of your genuine, heartfelt comments about the show. I read them all. I digest them all. They get me going every single day. So I really appreciate that. And the last thing that I want to say to you guys before we wrap up here is I want you guys to take action. Okay. You just spent nearly an hour maybe more than an hour consuming this content and i want you guys to take action okay i really encourage you to while you're going through the show be mindful take notes really soak in the information don't just be there and let the information flow through you like let it soak into who you are and really really find something find one thing that you can take away from this episode that you can go out there and actually apply right now in your day today okay i want you guys to stop listening for po- to podcasts for the next little bit here um, maybe the next 15 minutes and just think about how you can start to take action okay think about one thing that somebody said in this podcast today that you can apply to your own life and go out there and implement it okay and then let me know how it went because guys i see so many people just listening to content soaking up content all day long but they never do anything with it okay so i want you guys i don't want that to be you i want you to be the person who actually takes action so go out there take some action let me know how it goes and i will see you in the next episode